This podcast is for informational purposes only and does not constitute legal, tax, investment, financial, or other advice. It is not intended to cause or induce breach of an existing agency agreement. The goal of this podcast since day one is to provide the best information on the Vancouver real estate market at no cost to you, the listeners. To that end, we'd like to thank the following sponsors. This podcast is sponsored by Marcon, a local family-owned and managed real estate development and construction company that's been around for nearly four decades. Marcon is not only committed to high-quality construction, but it also is making a positive impact in the communities in which it builds all across the Lower Mainland. We want to highlight two incredible Marcon projects. Elmwood, a 38-story tower located at Burquitlam's most important intersection, Como Lake Avenue and Clark Road. This landmark tower will feature 335 condominiums, over 37,000 square feet of office and retail space, and almost 20,000 square feet of amenity space. Elmwood has been incredibly popular with 80% sold currently, but they still have a great selection of junior one-bedroom all the way to three-bedroom homes remaining. Check out markon.ca slash Elmwood for more. And Matt, we are also excited about Sone House, Markon's newest community in West Coquitlam. With 165 homes ranging from junior one beds to three beds, Sone House offers the perfect West Coast aesthetic with a more nuanced Nordic-inspired design. Register today at markon.ca slash Sonehouse. That's S-O-E-N-H-A-U-S. Or you can learn more at markon.ca or follow them at Instagram at markonhomes. Markon, building for life. Hello? 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 This is the Vancouver Weather State Podcast. And welcome back to Vancouver Real Estate Podcast. I'm your host, Adam Scalina. And I'm your host, Matt Scalina. And Matt, today we have returning guest, Kyle Green. He's the owner of the Green Mortgage Team. Also, a guy who's been in this industry 15 years, started when he was 19 years old. It's kind of incredible. I think he, he likes to drop that and you can't see him. But in person, I think he likes to drop that because it almost seems impossible yeah. that he's been in the business 15 years. He's a, he's a young looking sculpted guy. Yeah. When you say sculpted, what do you mean? I mean his hair. Oh, right. Yeah. He's also in good shape. He's in very good shape. He's like the statue of David. You know what he is? He's although, one of those. Although, <laughs> although maybe that's a diss. I don't know. I I, uh, I don't mean it in any other way in the fact that he's made out of, he's been sculpted. He's chiseled. He's chiseled, he's chiseled marble. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but yeah, he's, he's in good shape. <laughs> <laughs> Today, we got Kyle on the show to talk frothy markets. Canada, in a recent Bloomberg report, was one of the frothiest real estate markets in the world. And we have Kyle on to shed light on this, give his two cents. And let's remember, lending and how easy it is to get a mortgage is a key component to how frothy a market is, right. where people can go. And Kyle is obviously on the front line, so he is a fantastic person to talk to about this. Yeah predictions, investment opportunities, and of course, the perennial fixed versus variable. Yeah. And of course, a fantastic market overview. It's always great having someone like Kyle on because there's so many takeaways. This is a fantastic episode. But before we get to our conversation with Kyle, Matt, of course, 
we have Vancouver Commercial Real Estate Podcast, Making Waves. Making Waves is right. Corey Wright hosting Vancouver Commercial Real Estate Podcast. This is such an exciting new show. Right. I, and I'm not just saying that. Right. Uh, great show. This week, he's got spiking insurance premiums. Um, what does that mean for commercial? We've talked about it from the residential perspective, but what about commercial, right? And how does it affect your bottom line? So definitely head over on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to your podcast and type in Vancouver Commercial Real Estate Podcast. Corey Wright is a host. You will not be disappointed. Matt, we should also say we are sponsored by Oakland Realty. That's right. If you are a new agent, an aspiring agent, somebody just looking to make a change in the business, there is no better brokerage out there than Oakland Realty, the resources, the culture, just a fantastic place to be. To learn more, head over to oakland.com slash join, type in VRP 2020. That is oakland.com slash join, type in VRP 2020. Not only do you get to meet Michael Morgan and the gang, you get a huge incentive for typing in VRP 2020. So don't miss out for sure. Yeah, for sure. And the last thing I'll say is just a little touch on the market here, but man, talk about like, we've been in so many multiple offers. It feels like the market almost was dipping there for a little bit or or softening, but it seems to be really, really busy this week. And a lot of people I'm talking to are super busy. You were in what, two multiples yesterday? Yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's busy. Uh, it, it, it feels like we've said though, you know, touch and go. It's yeah. uh, every week is totally different. Yeah, I know. <laughs> it's and a I, very tough market to read. I was uh, in multiples with a buyer yesterday. I've got multiples on my listing today. Market still seems really busy. One funny thing that happened to me yesterday is I accidentally called. I was in a scramble situation to get this offer and it was like two minutes to go before I had to send it. Yeah. And I went to call my client really common name, you know, call it John. And call called John. the wrong John. You got a couple my, of Johns in your phone? I've got a few Johns in my phone. <laughs> I, yeah, not that way. Um, but I, it's, uh, I, I go, I, um, I got it. Yeah. Let's, say Let's John. just say John. But anyways, I call the wrong John. And, and so I'm literally, it's like well, down to the is wire, like, this I'm is like, sweating, I'm this trying is like to get this offer. a John, like an old client of yours or an old so, friend? So, yeah, I call this, it's a John I literally haven't talked to in about three years. And I call him out of the blue and he, he picks up the phone. Hey, Adam, how you doing? And hey, like, why are you <laughs> why calling? This why pleasure? are you calling? So it has to be, it can't be less than a 30 minute phone call because <laughs> I haven't talked to the guy in three years. So I'm scrambling to get this offer in. And of course I call the wrong John. I'm on the phone. I'm, I'm also, I'm like, first of all, when he answered, I was like, who is this? This isn't who I was calling. <laughs> yeah. And I didn't want to be. I, I, and it's I, just John in your phone? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. So it was just this awkward, but by the way, though, it literally made me 30 minutes late for this offer presentation. And it took me back because I think, I, I don't know, we probably haven't told this story on the podcast, but I think I told you this story about years ago out in Ani, big developer, used to have, well, still oh, has, I think I was there. Yeah. I don't know if you actually were there for this, but I, I thought I recognized two realtors in Vancouver that look very, very similar. I'll keep it anonymous here, but they look almost the same. And I talked to one for almost an hour until she said to me, you don't know who I am, do you? Because I thought it was the other realtor. 
And I was talking about their team and the team dynamics and the market and everything else. It's funny how she didn't actually bring it up when you started talking about her team. Yeah. Well, this is it. This is it. And I was so embarrassed and it was kind of like, it just brought me back anyways. Not the best with faces. They call me face blind. <laughs> Not great with Not faces. Not great with phones either. Not great with names. <laughs> All right. Well, what else? Do we have anything else before we cut to this interview? I this don't is think a, so. This, this is, is a great conversation. Great conversation. And yeah, he's a wealth of information. So stay tuned. Love uh, having for, Kyle on for the show. Kyle Green from Green Mortgage Solutions. Fantastic. And stick around for the book recommendations because these ones will not disappoint as well. Absolutely. Enjoy. Okay, so we're here with Kyle Green, owner of the Green Mortgage team, and of course, past guest, fan favorite. How are you doing, Kyle? Great fan favorite. I didn't know that one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Matt usually throws that in, but I uh, threw him for a loop today. Yeah. I don't so. even know what to say, except thanks for your time, Kyle. I think you've been on the show <laughs> four or five times over the last four or five years, at least. So I uh, appreciate you coming back. No problem. No, I'm happy to be here. So Kyle, maybe um, a lot of our listeners will know who you are and people in the investment world in, uh, in BC will know who you are likely, but can you tell us a little bit about yourself to get started? Yeah, for sure. I'm coming up this November. I'll, uh, I've been in the business for 15 years. So I started when I was 19 years old, just found the right opportunity. And back in 2008, I started niching myself and working with primarily real estate investors. So there's one point, actually a funny, funny story. I was at a uh, conference. I had a booth with a guy named Ozzy Duroc, who's fairly well known in Vancouver for his uh, REAG group, the Real Estate Action Group. And I guess there's another mortgage broker that's supposed to speak at the event and didn't show up. And I've heard two stories. One, he fell off a ladder. Two, he got hammered the night before. I still don't know which one is true. The second day. one sounds probably more likely. Yeah. <laughs> more likely. Yeah, exactly. One, like or his both, parachute or didn't both, open right? or two, he just got yeah. really drunk. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Hopefully it wasn't both because that could be a pretty deadly combination. Yeah, right. But Ozzy told me that, that morning, hey, Kyle, I, I need you to speak because the other guy hasn't shown up yet. So I peek in there and I'm 21 years old at the time. I have no presentation prepared or anything. And there's 600 people in the room. But after doing that one presentation, I said, oh, the butterflies are gone. I had generated a lot more uh, contacts at that event than I had the previous couple combined. So yeah, it's, it's kind of cool getting involved in the community of working primarily for real estate investors. That's been my niche for you know, over a decade now. And you know, we just specialize in helping people build wealth using real estate. I think your office is just down the street from ours, but are you helping people mainly in Vancouver still? Or are you, because I know you guys have branched out quite significantly. Yeah, I mean, we help customers almost across the country, but most of our business is focused in BC, of course. You know, there's some years that we do a lot of stuff in Alberta and some years we do less stuff in Alberta. But for the most part, I would say, you know, 80 plus percent of our client base is, uh, is located here in, in BC. And a lot of that is, is Vancouver based. Well, we're definitely going to have to ask you at some point in this conversation where the opportunities are for investors, but maybe we'll save that towards the end of the show. Maybe just thinking about the market in general, how's the market from your perspective? It's crazy. <laughs> it's crazy. Let's put it that way. I'll give you some perspective here. So we just had our biggest month we've ever had and uh, we funded 61 transactions in May. Oh. We funded $40 million in, in mortgages in May. If I take my year to date so far and extrapolate that out, we're double two years ago volumes. If I take just May, that's quadruple two years ago volumes. 
So of course you don't want to just take the one, you know, one killer month that you've had and say, okay, that's the expectation. But I think the reality is we will probably be about double two years ago volumes. I've added nine people to my team in the last 15 months, nine people that are on staff, on payroll, onto our team. And it just seems like no matter what, we just keep growing. Just last week, we added three people to the team. So we keep growing. And of course, I'm a sucker for growth and and whatnot. I'm always focusing on growing a sustainable business that allows us to continue to um, to move forward. I don't like to be too market dependent. And so, yes, the market is very busy right now, but we're also investing in some longer term marketing situations so that we can be a bit more proactive with the market. That way, once this real estate market eventually starts to slow down, we'll be, uh, we'll be good. But if I look at the number of leads that came in, March was the peak for that. And in general, on our cycle, in general, mortgages fund about 60 to 90 days after that. So if I look at the fact that March was our peak month for new leads coming in and May was our peak month for fundings, and I think June will be close, but it probably won't be as big as May. It's still very, very busy, but it's not quite as busy as it was. I think four to six weeks ago, our underwriting queues had peaked and we had then come down a bit and we're almost back up at that peak again. But I don't think we're going to quite get to the peak that we we saw back in about April, which was just the, the sheer volume of deals that are in our pipeline trying to get approved with the lenders. So it's interesting to point out because we've talked about this on the program before, but I just want to really unpack this and highlight what you're saying Typically, when you see the pre-approvals happen, that means that if you get, you're doing a lot of volume, that usually means that 60 to 90 days down the road, it's going to be a very busy real estate market. And that's kind of been a somewhat of a tested method for projecting the market um, over time, I would imagine. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. And so just thinking about that, so March was the busiest and, you know, it sounds like May for for actual funding of deals. June, of course, is very busy. I'm trying to get, find notaries and lawyers who actually can take on a file right now for this month. Yeah, and it's, yeah. it's almost impossible. So it's, it's a very, very busy month. I'm curious to know about pre-approvals right now because, you know, something we want to talk about is the shift with this new stress test. But are you, you know, March was the peak. Where are we at right now? And what do you think that means for the next 60 to 90 days. Yeah, I, what I'm finding right now, actually, and, and I, I feel like from a business owner's perspective, this is good for my business. It's probably good for yours, too. There is a little bit more product in the market now than there was back in the, um, in the first you know, three or four months of the year. So instead of 25 people per property trying to outbid each other, now it might be five or seven. You know? And of course, that depends on the property. I'm still seeing you know, double-digit bidders on certain properties that are priced well and are desirable real estate. But I think what we're finding now is that we're having to work a well, I, I shouldn't say this, we're having to work a little less hard to close the same amount of business today than we were a few months ago because we had a lot of new clients coming in the door, new pre-approvals, and then the people that were already pre-approved in house hunting we're writing offers and bidding versus 15 other people and getting a bid over and over and over again. And, and as a broker, we end up doing a lot of that work to help a client figure out if they can qualify for that house and then they get outbid and then you got to do it again and then they go outbid. And so time after time, you know, eventually now that the supply is starting to increase, we're finding that more clients are able to actually hit on and connect on their offers, which, which is good. So even though the amount of leads coming into the office is lower, I think that the number of closings and actual sales volume might actually continue to increase or at least level off. Interesting. So inventory is the uh, differentiation there that you're making. 
And, you know, one of the things that everybody, it's the, we've talked about this on the show, but not for a while, actually. But Kyle, we know you're very good at what you do. What kind of strategies do you guys employ to help buyers potentially win in those multiple offers, which are still, yeah, not quite as crazy as they were, but definitely still very much a thing here in Vancouver. And in a world where like the banks right now are so incredibly backed up, right? Like just to remind people that it, anything to get anything done at a bank right now can take even up to, you know, two, three weeks, right? Well, yeah. And that's if it's a purchase refinances. We, we had a credit union that their turnaround on refinances was up to 45 plus business days. So we're looking at nine weeks to get a refinance approved. And then they just pulled the pin and said, actually, you know what? If they're not an existing customer of our credit union, we're not refinancing right now, period. End of story. They've just completely cut it off. And they said, we need to get back under control right now because this is crazy. And they keep getting busier and busier and busier. So it's a bit crazy. You have long timelines. And one of the challenges we have in a market like this, where it's a hard seller's market with a lack of supply and a lot of buyers is in order to make your offer more competitive, one of the ways of doing that is, of course, writing a higher price. But another way you can do that is to have better conditions. And so a lot of clients are saying, how do I win a bid? I'm, I'm writing an offer and I'm getting out bid over and over again. And actually, my entire team been trained to make sure that as we're going through a pre-approval, we let our client know, look, if you're finding that you're getting outbid on properties and you want to learn how you can win those bids, we can help you with that. And what we're doing is we're helping position clients to write subject free with the minimal risk possible. And there are certain situations and certain clients and certain properties or whatever it is where it's just, there's just too much risk. And we will make that judgment call to say, client, look, I really don't recommend that you write subject free, but in a very large percentage of our cases, if we have enough lead time, let's say that a client brings us a property and it goes up on, on the market on a Wednesday, they're going to view it on the weekend and then writing offers on a Monday. That's a pretty standard kind of timeline. And if we know right away when the property comes up on Wednesday or Thursday and our client brings it to us and says, hey, you know, we'd like to buy this property, how do we write subject free on this? With enough lead time, we can at least get an appraisal ordered on the property. And we always recommend our clients should get an inspection on the property as well. So the clients are paying for things upfront, which is kind of the opposite of what you typically do in a real estate deal. Usually you write your offer, get it accepted, and then you pay for due diligence. Instead, what you're doing is you're paying for due diligence upfront. And then that way you can write an offer subject free with minimal risk. And hopefully, and in some cases we've been able to pull this off, we actually send it to a lender and get an approval for the maximum the client is willing to pay if there's a hundred other bidders. And so you get an approval in place from the lender upfront and we get the appraisal, the client has the inspection. And then on the Monday, they write the offer subject free and you have a much higher likelihood of winning the bid. And one of the interesting things is that we've had a couple of scenarios here where our clients are writing subject free because of this. And sure, you spend a thousand bucks up front. And maybe you did this a couple of times before you actually hit and won a bid. But when you do hit, we're hearing stories of how, you know, there's a townhouse in Chilliwack, uh, a client of ours wrote subject free on, and she was a first time home buyer on a $520,000 purchase for her. The other bidder was writing about 550 or 555. So 30 or $35,000 more. And yet the sellers chose her offer because it was subject free. And so maybe our client had spent $1,000 in due diligence one, two, three, or five times and spent five grand. But eventually when you win a bid, because you're positioned that way, you can save 
$30,000 on your offer, which is kind of an interesting way of looking at it. It's, it's, it's almost like gambling, right? But it's the way to win a bid right now, I think. Right, right, right. So Kyle, let's talk about the stress test. First question is, is it smart policy? Probably. Yeah. I hate saying it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I mean, here's the reality. It, it, the market is very hot. It is, it is too hot. And here, here's what I don't like about it. It's pushing first time home buyers further out of being able to get into the market, right? It's, it's making it more difficult. And we've had a lot of our clients who are like, they're right on the edge and now they're on the wrong side of the fence. Here's what, the, what it's going to do from a high level, okay? Because I'm, I'm sure most of your, your listeners have an idea of, of the impact. So maybe uh, you, I'll, I'll go over that real quick. Yeah, I was going to um, say, Kyle, one, one thing we might want to outline for, for listeners is what exactly we're referring to and just spell it out just so everybody's on the same page. Yeah, for sure. So the stress test, effectively, a number of years ago, the uh, government came with the stress test. And this number, this rate changes and fluctuates over time. Um, but, uh, but as of, you know, about a few weeks ago, you would qualify as if your rate was 4.79%. And so even if you're getting a rate below 2%, they would still qualify you as if your rate was 4.79. And what ended up happening is they changed and bumped it up to now the minimum is five and a quarter. So it's not a huge increase, um, but it does decrease borrowing power by between four to 5%. And so we've had some clients that were right on the borderline. They could barely get into a condo or barely get into a townhouse or barely get into a house. And now all of a sudden the stress test is just pulling them off onto the wrong side of the fence. Um, Interesting story. I actually had a client that was looking at two different townhomes and one was taking offers on the Monday, which was May 31st. And one was taking offers on, on the Tuesday, which was June 1st. They liked the one that was um, taking offers on the Tuesday more. They had to write on the one that, that was accepting offers on the Monday on the 31st because then they would have an accepted offer before the new um, rules were effective. And the deal just barely worked because of that stress test change. Wow. So, yeah, like literally the clients are like, oh, what do we do? It's like, you have you have to buy this one. I, I know you don't like it as much, but this is the one. And, and if you don't buy this one, then everything else is going to be outside of your price range moving forward. It's not going to get any better. And one shift I've actually seen because of this is I feel like all of a sudden in, you know, I've noticed this for whatever reason, a lot of Maple Ridge, um, all of a sudden all the cheaper townhomes in Maple Ridge seem to have more price acceleration. And so because you have a whole bunch of people that wanted to get a nicer townhouse, can't afford it. Okay, well, we really want a townhouse and we can only afford X amount now. So let's just get you know, the bottom, bottom feeder um, townhouse pricing and, and get our foot in the door. So it's going to be an interesting uh, point. But to go back to your original question uh, as to whether this is good, um, it is not good if you're not in the market right now, but it is good if you are in the market. And so if you already own 10 rental properties or five or whatever, it's, it's good because it will protect the asset values from being on too much of a yo-yo. Like what happened down in the US before the subprime crisis, values were increasing like crazy and going too high, too fast. But then when the crash happened, they went down very quickly too. What's gonna happen is it's gonna narrow the bandwidth. So hopefully they'll increase as much, but they also won't decrease as much either. And so I think they're just trying to close that gap a little bit to reduce volatility in the housing market. And that's probably not a bad thing to be frank because it, it, you don't want to see house prices go up 30% one year, then down 
20% the next year. It's much better for them to go up 10% one year and then down 5% the next year, realistically. And are you seeing so clearly like the May 31st, June 1st um, divide, there was a, uh, is, is pretty, that's a stark contrast. In the first couple of weeks here of June, are you seeing sort of a shift in terms of, of how, how, what buyers can actually do? Like, is it really impacting the market here in Vancouver in your mind? Uh, yes, because a lot of clients were trying to push the limits on what they could qualify for. You know, this morning I had a quick um, powwow with one of my team members because we had a client that was looking at pushing the envelope on and getting the maximum purchase price possible. And now that the stress test has changed, we've got to reevaluate, like, how do we get the client into this home that she, she wants to get into now, right? So it, it is difficult. Um, and we're, we're finding that I think it's going to take some time, but what ended up happening is a few buyers will say house or bust, right? Or townhouse or bust, which means that if they can't get the type of product they want, then they will completely leave the market. And I think that's a small segment, but it will be a segment of the marketplace. There's going to be another, in my opinion, larger contingency of buyers that will say, okay, if they're going to push for a little while, they're going to try to get into the type of product they wanted before. And if they can't, they're just going to shift down. All of those those aspirational house homeowners will slide into a townhouse, and a lot of those people that try to get into a townhouse will slide into a condo. And so, my expectations of what will happen moving forward, and this was my prediction at the beginning of the year too, was detached will start to kind of top out soon, and I think we're going to see a bit more of a shift. And we already have actually in townhomes, and I think the shift into condos is what's going to be coming up soon. I think that people will eventually say, you know what? I don't mind touching the same door handle as a number of people have because COVID is less, less of a factor. Entertainment will be coming back to major urban centers, AKA places like downtown Vancouver, where there's a lot of condo product. Um, more mi- migration will start coming back into the country. Migrants in general are coming from highly populated areas where condos are very common. And, um, and of course, just the shift of affordability and people will start sliding into condos. So I actually see a lot of value and opportunity in, in condos right now. Yeah, that's funny about the um, um, migrants that live in places where condos are very popular. I was out with a, a guy the other day who um, grew up in a in a condo in another country, and um, we looked at a ground level unit, and he said, "Oh, I could never live on the ground. You know, just like never live in a ground floor unit just because I hate of the security. Idea of my own door. <laughs> yeah, and, uh, of having a door to the outside, um, which is just so funny. But um, okay, so maybe moving on to uh, pass the stress test. Matt and I were just talking about Bloomberg just came out with an article today about Canada being the second frothiest housing market in the world. Basically, there's a cocktail of ingredients as to why they're suggesting this. Maybe we can kind of talk about them kind of piece by piece um, Mm -hmm. and maybe starting with low interest rates. Yeah. And just to kind of further that idea, what's going on with each of these kind of factors that's led to the state that we're in and, and where do you see it going from here? Right. Yeah, totally. I mean, low interest rates, that's that's obviously a key ingredient. Interestingly, though, it doesn't the even though the interest rates have dropped, the qualifying rates haven't really changed. And so it's not actually allowing more borrowers to get into the market. It may be making it cheaper to get into it, which means that you're looking at whether it makes more sense to rent versus to own. And one very cool thing that I've looked at here is is a couple of years ago interest rates were close to 4%. And with rates being below 2%, so for a while there, you can get five-year fixed rates at like 1.69%. 
if you compared the amount of print of your payment going towards the principal in those examples, back when rates were 4%, you'd have only about 33% of your payments going towards the principal. With rates at around 1.7%, 66% of your payment is going towards the principal. Like if you look at an amortization schedule right now with like a typical variable rate mortgage is about one and a half percent or lower than that. You're you're paying like it's more than two thirds of your payments going towards principal right now. And of course, that makes owning real estate more attractive. So the question is, how long will interest rates continue to be this low? To give you a really quick background on interest rates, fixed rates are highly correlated with bond yields. And so if you want to get out the crystal ball that I've got in my office, I pull out you know, bond charts, <laughs> the, the most exciting things possible. But, um, but bond yields is a key indicator of where fixed rates are heading. And you can get a couple days of lead time. And of course, nobody, you know, if I could predict the bond market, I wouldn't be sitting here working right now. But, um, but if you wanted to get an understanding where uh, fixed rates are heading, then you watch bond yields. And uh, if you want to know where the variable rates are heading, there's two factors. There's the discount off of the prime rate which is very steep right now. It's, it's very attractive at, you know, prime minus about 1%. Uh, and then there's the prime rate, which is the government set rate. It seems like the general expectation is that uh, bond rates will probably start to move up in Q1 or Q2 of 2022. And the news that I'm hearing from the government, you know, I think the tune might slowly start to shift a little bit, but um, the most recent information that I've been hearing is, the U.S. Fed's probably not increasing their rates until about 2024, and it's unlikely Canada would want to jump the gun much earlier than the U.S., which means the Bank of Canada probably isn't increasing the prime rate until about 2024 or at least late 2023. So, you know, low interest rates, especially in variable rate mortgages, are likely to be here for at least a couple of years. Fixed rates, maybe we have another, you know, nine or 12 months or so of, of runway of, of, of rates around the 2% mark. But I don't see them increasing as much as some people think. I know there's some talk about in, inflation and whatnot, but um, but it'll be interesting to see how how the inflation really, really works. And some of the data on inflation is, you know, is it comparing year over year or what exactly is that data pointing to? Because I think with, uh, in particular with inflation, you can kind of point to a lot of different pieces of data to create whatever story you're wanting to exactly, create. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So, so, so in terms of the first, if we kind of highlight these ingredients for Canada's frothy market, low interest rates, at least, and I know this, you had a more nuanced answer than this, but at least uh, overall, you're thinking they remain at least for the next year on the fixed side and potentially longer on the, on the variable side. Second factor, according to Bloomberg and the study, unparalleled fiscal stimulus. How do you think that factors in as we, as we move out of COVID and, uh, and kind of back to the quote unquote new normal? Yeah, it's an interesting, uh, interesting point. I think a lot of the stimulus is going in to, of course, buoy those that have been, you know, have had a really tough time during COVID. And when I look at who has been impacted by COVID the most, for the most part, it's people that are in service industry, retail industry, hospitality, et cetera. And I think the reality is that a lot of the money is flooding into business owners and individuals in, in those sectors. And those are not people that are buying million-dollar homes in Vancouver. You know, right. If you're a server at a restaurant in Vancouver, you just don't make enough income to, to be able to buy a home in Vancouver. So I don't think it's, it's attributing to a lot of the homeowners. 
of course, as business owners, there are still some positive reactions here, and and of course, you're, there are a lot of uh, there's a lot of money on the table for uh, for a period of time there, regardless of how well your business was doing. And so, yes, I think that that's filtered through the system, and and I think one thing that I've noticed is a lot of people took that money and then put it away. I had a lot of people that said, "Hey, you know what? I don't, I'm not in a position where I really need to do this, but I'm going to, um, I'm going to defer my mortgage payments on my rental properties just because I don't know, and I'm going to put this money aside. I'm going to put it into the stock market. I'm going to put it in my savings or whatever. And I feel like the savings rate is increasing at a very fast rate um, because people can't spend it, which is one thing, right? But I, I feel like a lot of people are putting money into their pockets and into their jeans. And the people that are in a deficit, like people that are in the service industry, hospitality, et cetera, they're not buying real estate anyways. Almost every white collar professional I talk to is busier than they've ever been in their entire life. If you're, if you're a lawyer, accountant, if you're in real estate, like almost any white collar profession you talk to, they are busier than ever and making more money than they've ever made in their life. Yeah, it's such a peculiar moment, right? A year and a half ago, I don't think I would have predicted that, but you're right. That's that's what we're seeing as well. I feel like every every one of my clients is working around the clock right now, which is, you know, they're all hardworking people, but it seems it seems busier than normal. That's for sure. 100%. So we've got low interest rates. We've got unparalleled fiscal stimulus. I think that plays into inflation as well. You're right. I think it, it buoys the folks in the, in the service industry and, and allows them to kind of stay afloat. There's the potential for, for inflationary pressure there, of course. You've kind of hit on number three, uh, the savings uh, that a lot of people have accumulated over the last year and a half. It sounds like you're seeing that money be deployed in real estate in your in your business. Yeah, yeah, for sure. We've had a lot of people look at uh, real estate as a strong strong asset class to park money in, and keep in mind too that real estate is a hard asset, which means that in an inflationary period of time, um, hard assets are where you want to be, right? And so, and we we've seen this with uh, lumber costs. Um, you know, the the lumber price is increasing as much as they have is now making it. Uh, more difficult to build the same home uh, for the same price as you used to be able to in, in the past, right? So I think that a lot of people are, are looking at their savings. I think that the, the st- stock market had a really good run, but now I think a lot of people are looking at, okay, well, what do I do with my savings now? And um, I think overall savings rates have, have increased because people can't uh, can't spend their money. And I think there's more money sitting on the sidelines now trying to figure out what they're going to do with it. And uh, a lot of that money has, of course, come into uh, come into real estate. So to be clear on the Canadian front, they had low interest rates, unparalleled fiscal stimulus, lockdown savings ready for deposits, limited supply, which we've talked about a, a lot on this show. And, and I don't think we need to really go into uh, here in Vancouver. Um, but the last is expectation for, you know, the roaring 20s here as we come out of lockdown uh, I guess if you uh, curious to hear your thoughts on that, Kyle, and then just generally speaking, this is the the ingredients that they're talking about that has led to kind of the explosion in in real estate activity in the last year and a half. How does this play out in the next six months, but also year or two? Hmm, good question. Uh, it's it's hard to say. I mean. I feel like everybody has a different perspective and a different reaction to how things are going to recover. And moving forward, it's it's very interesting to um, to see different people's the psychology behind it. 
Um, because I think a lot of people are thinking, oh, yeah, I'm going to be back. Everything's going to be back to normal and whatnot. But I think the psychology of, of behavior may also change a little bit. You know, you talk to some people and like, you know what? I kind of liked being an introvert. <laughs> I kind of like It's actually, home, you know? I've, that's been a huge surprise. I feel like one of the things that Adam and I have talked about, or at least I've been thinking about, is kind of universalizing my own thoughts on everything. Like everybody mm-hmm. will want to get back to the office. Everybody's looking to go out you know, go to a busy bar or a music venue or whatever. And then you talk to so many people that are like, no, I hate having to see people in the morning type thing. (laughs) I want to stay at home. I'm loving this. And it's like, I think think also the more intro, some, well, depends on how introverted you are, but the more you spend at home, the more introverted you become. And it's a vicious cycle. And I think a lot of people have ended up in that vicious cycle. Yeah, I think so too. I, I mean, my uh, my fiance was saying that the other uh, the other day. She's like, "Yeah, I kind of I don't know if I want to go back to normal and this and that." But you know what? It's one of those things too where you see that in the moment, and then you go out and you see your friends, and then you get positive energy from being around them. And it, it is a very common trait actually of people, especially not to say my fiance is depressed. It's exactly the opposite. But um, but a lot of people when they're depressed, they don't want to see their friends, which then makes them more depressed. Where if they just just went and saw their friends, they they, you know, receive energy from them and, and, uh, then the cycle goes the opposite direction. Like you guys have kind of alluded to, right? right. But I think there might be some people though, that kind of preferred or enjoyed this life. It'll be interesting to see though, how much, you know, things get back to normal. And I think it will take some time. I don't think that people are going to go right back to, you know, concerts and bars right away, you know, and I think there's gonna be a certain segment of the market that absolutely will do that. But I think there's going to be another segment that's going to be, yeah, you know, I'm just going to play it safe. I'm going to slowly reintroduce myself. And it could take a year to two years before people are fully back to that uh, that, that previous lifestyle they used to have. And, and so where do you see the opportunities then? I, I, you've kind of alluded that you think single family townhomes have kind of reached their, the end of their run or getting close to. And uh, we're looking at condos. But, but based on that, uh, all the things we've talked about where – yeah, where are the opportunities right now? Maybe in terms of product type, but also areas yeah, of geographically. Yeah, BC, Alberta, even. Sure. Yeah. In my opinion, I really like downtown core condos. I think that that's where there's a lot of value to reasons I kind of alluded to earlier. I think that it's been a bit more of a depressed area because there's no entertainment, there's nothing going on, there's no reason to be close to the action. Your employer isn't asking you to go to your office anymore, so you don't need to be close to uh, close to work. But I think when things start to return, people are expected to go back to the office because a lot of employers are paying a lot of money to have all this office space downtown, right? Um, so I do think that, um, that uh, condos is a good place to be. I like major urban centers for that. I think we might be a bit too late to this party, but I, I still think that moving forward, industrial space um, will, be, will be a great asset class to be in because more and more people are buying things online. And keep in mind that when COVID first hit, a lot of people that weren't already buying online all of a sudden made that shift. And so, you know, warehouses, et cetera, are a more important asset class uh, moving forward. And I, I wouldn't uh, be surprised to see that, uh, that trend continue. I'm very curious myself on what's going to happen with office space and retail, though. I really don't know. I think retail will will take a bit of a hit. Office space, though, my office is coming up for renewal in January of next year. And I had a five-year lease on this location. And it's going to cost me more money to rent the same space than it did, you know, four and a half years ago. And is that a function of me getting a really good deal four and a half years ago? It doesn't seem to be that way. It, It seems like 
the office space is fairly inelastic, so prices haven't really moved a whole lot. So I'm kind of keeping my eyes on that. It, it might just take a little bit longer to move, but I'm, I'm interested in kind of keeping my eyes on that because if I see some decreases to, uh, to office space, then I might, uh, I might look at jumping in opportunities there. One other opportunity I wanted to mention, and this is actually because I was going through this exercise myself. So my fiance and I were, were looking at uh, recreational real estate, Airbnbs, Honestly, who wasn't? <laughs> you guys are probably looking at these too, right? Yeah. But a lot of people are looking at Airbnb opportunities and we are looking at uh, a lot of places. We really like the island. Um, so we're looking at areas like Souk and North North Vancouver Island, et cetera, um, Seashelt, places like that. We're actually buying a seven-unit apartment uh, building in Victoria that we're going to Airbnb. It's a really, uh, really cool deal and we're going to theme each room and, and whatnot. And we're really excited to do that. But one of the things that I thought was cool there's a website called AirDNA, so like DNA, uh, AirDNA. And when we went on that website, you can pay to have access to a specific market and you can look at all of the specific details of that market. One interesting point that I noticed is that the amount of supply of Airbnbs in Victoria, and I'm expecting this to be in, in many, other, um, many other areas, the supply has decreased significantly. And yet, if you think about it, you know, you would expect that the supply will start to increase when demand goes goes way up, but it won't be able to increase back to, let's say, 2019 levels because a lot of people said, oh, my God, COVID's here. I'm going to take my Airbnb off the market. I'm going to stick a long-term tenant in my market. And if you're in BC or Ontario in particular, where it's very tenant favored for the um, for tenancy laws, you can't just boot your tenant out because you now want to Airbnb it again. So I think you might actually have a, a um, an interesting position with um, with Airbnbs where you're going to have a large increase to the demand and you won't see the supply be able to keep pace. And so I think you might actually see uh, price increases with uh, Airbnb properties, especially in, you know, major centers wherever you're operating it. And in thinking about Victoria specifically, the regulation around Airbnb, you can actually, are there, are there any Victoria specific regulations you're dealing with there? Yeah. And this particular property is one of a small handful of properties that, um, that is actually zoned for a transient accommodation. And so the fact that it's already being used as a short-term rental means that it would be grandfathered, even if they did make changes. So we have, we have less risk with that because of the zoning of the property, but that's something you really have to watch out for. Right. As an example, we're actually looking at the Gulf Islands, um, you know, all those little islands between Vancouver Island and and, um, and the uh, mainland there. But um, as we were looking, we're hearing that what's called the Island Trust, which basically just kind of manages all of those areas, was talking about, and now I believe they have come out with this rule, where you cannot Airbnb your property unless it's your primary residence and you're living on site and you're renting out like a secondary dwelling or unit. So you're renting out a basement suite or the cabin that's on the same property as you reside in. I think they tried to lower the demand for, you know, Vancouverites buying Airbnbs in the area, running up their real estate values and, and, you know, and, uh, and whatnot. So you have to be very careful about, um, about how the, the city views that, but you know, Victoria, for instance, is a big tourist area. And you, if you have the right zoning and you do your research, then there may be good opportunities in areas like that. Great advice. Maybe as a final question, uh, just because, you know, this is the question we get all the time and we're always thinking about right now, Kyle, variable or fixed? Variable. 100%. It's, 
I don't know if you ever waver with variable or fixed. Do you? It's not, not, not common. Recent. It's not. It's not <laughs> common. No, no, it, it's not. But one of the reasons that I, I mean, the, the biggest reason is the penalty calculation, and because the the fixed rates are quite, you know, they're, they're fairly low right now. But the way that the penalties are calculated, the fixed rate penalties today will be will be more expensive than they were a couple of years ago because of the way that the the penalties are calculated. So I'm concerned about that. I like the flexibility of the variable and keep in mind, you can lock it in to a fix at any point in time during the course of the mortgage. So a year into it, you can say, Oh, you know what? Now that it looks like fixed rates might be going up. Now I'm going to, uh, to lock it in and convert it. There was a period of time, you know, probably three or six months ago where um, the variable rate discounts weren't quite as good and the fixed rates were, were fairly good. Um, so there was a point where the, for fixed and variable being almost the same, and if you went with the, what we call a non-bank lender, where at least the penalty calculation was more fair and reasonable, um, we had more of our clients taking fixed for for a couple of months. But it's fairly short-lived, and now that the variable rate discounts are quite steep, you know, based on the expected rate increases that we're going to see moving forward, uh, they have to move up more aggressively than what we're projecting in order for you to pay more in interest over a five-year period than if you do if you want variable versus fixed. So I, I, I do think variable is the, the way to go right now, but it's not always that, but right now it is. And most of the time it is. <laughs> the flexibility is worth it. Well, and and can you give us an idea of the, the discount for variable right now? Yeah, you're, it's about prime minus one, give or take. Um, we have some clients that are getting variable rates of 1.35%. We have a lot of our clients are getting rates around one point. 1.5%. If it's a rental property, then generally speaking, the pricing is is not quite as um, as competitive. But you know, the vast majority of our clients are getting about one and a half percent on a variable rate right now. It's it's very attractive. Whereas fixed rates right now are about two and a quarter with most lenders. So there's a three quarter of a percent gap right now. And you know, if you look at having saving that three quarters of a percent gap for you know two to three years from now. And then at the expected rate that you'd likely see the variable rate start to increase in that last half of your uh, your term, I think that um, you will pay less in interest over a five-year period. That's that's my expectation. It's fantastic. And Kyle, um, we've had you do the five wire before, but uh, we realized that things people change. are... Things, things change. change. People change. Yeah. yeah um, exactly. Can you stick around quickly for the five wire? Yeah. Okay. Of course. I think I even remember some of your... Some of your answers. We'll see. Matt studies them. He's been, uh, he's, he's, yeah. he's gone back through. Um, okay. So first question is favorite neighborhood in Vancouver. Favorite neighborhood of Vancouver. Um, good question, actually. Um, Can I weigh in on this know, one, lately, Kyle? Yes, please. I think you said Canby Village at one time. Yeah. And you know what? We were looking at buying in Canby Village um, and we ended up actually buying in North Vancouver because I was doing, we're doing a 14 unit apartment building flip in North Van. And we're going to just buy one of the units in there instead, which is kind of a different direction altogether, but an opportunity came up. I think, I feel like we might've talked to you after that as well, but. Uh... Yeah. Yeah. It was a really, really cool deal. Not enough time to talk about it today, but a sure. uh, really cool deal. But um, I still like the Canby Village area quite a bit. You know, another area we're spending a little bit more time in right now is um, Main Street and Commercial Drive. Those those areas are kind of cool and they're just different. So we've been spending a bit more time there. Favorite bar or restaurant? <laughs> Perfect for COVID. Home. Yeah, I know, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Jeez. Yeah, there's not, not a lot going on right now. So um, 
I, I, geez, I, I don't even know what, uh, what I would say. I don't think there's a lot of, um, yeah, I'm just going to say home because that's the, that's the bar we've been spending the most time at. <laughs> <laughs> One book that you would recommend everyone read. Okay. So I've actually got two that I'm reading right now and both of them are rereads. One is called Traction and it's very, very good for anybody that has a medium to large business. And, um, and it's just really, really structured. I find the, the structure is really good. So anybody that has a medium to, to large business, really cool read. Um, and another read book that I'm reading right now is the, uh, the ultimate sales machine by Chet Holmes. And so I read this probably 10 years ago and I'm rereading it again. I had it on audible and it's so good that I decided I, I started a book book club with my mortgage franchise and I'm running a book club now. We're reading two chapters of it and then going through the book and, and, uh, implementing some of the strategies in it. So really cool book. Those are great recommendations. Yeah. I've already used two tokens on Audible here. So, um, <laughs> what is what is one piece of advice you'd give your eighteen year old self? Yeah, when when times are good, you should be saving that money, putting it in the bank account, not not spending it. You know, there are periods of my life for sure when this market has been very fro- uh, frothy, and we you know we spent money and we did things that we shouldn't have. Um, even even right now, I'm catching myself figuring out like, what's the next car I'm going to get? And all of a sudden the price range keeps going up and up and I'm looking at the Supras and all that stuff. I'm like, no, 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 <laughs> you got to stop yourself. So um, it's really important just to control yourself when things are good. And when you're 18 years old and you start making good money, you, you got to put the money in the bank account. I should say not everybody started in this industry at 19. <laughs> yeah. Not yeah, everybody was doing presentations to 600 <laughs> investors at 19. <laughs> sure, yeah. Well, I've, I've made my fair share of mistakes like everybody, right? And I think uh, that was the one mistake that I'll never make again is when things are good, uh, you know, like, like they are now, that money's going into the bank account. It's, it's being invested. It's not being spent. Great advice. Yeah, good advice. Last question and kind of counterintuitive to the, that answer or maybe not, what is something you've bought for under $1,000 in the last year or two that's had a positive impact on your life? <laughs> Interesting. Um, what would I say? Just something that I bought under $1,000, hey? Um, you can even bump it to 1500 if you want. <laughs> yeah. You know, honestly, the only two things that I've spent money on really – if I look at it, was uh, I spent some some good money in headphones because I'm working on a lot of Saturdays and some days it's just nice to listen to good music and it kind of keeps the energy up. Um, so I bought a really nice pair of um, of Sony headphones with good bass and, and whatnot. The other thing is, and this is a bit over over fifteen hundred bucks, but um, but I actually bought a DJ set to create to just start to do something different and have a new hobby because I realized a little while ago that I had no non-sport hobbies. And when I couldn't play sports, I had zero, literally zero hobbies. And so I've started to just kind of learn how to DJ a little bit from home and, uh, and it's been fun. I'm a, I'm a big, uh, big music guy and it's nice to, nice to mess around in the bedroom and play some music for your fiance and for your dog. <laughs> I, I got to say this home bar is sounding a lot more, uh, exciting. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah. You'll see Matt Especially there with glow sticks. There. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> awesome awesome yeah it's like i didn't i heard there's a party tonight like matt no not yeah. tonight but yeah, yeah I know. You, I told just you, like last night go home yeah yeah yeah. Exactly. <laughs> yeah how can uh how can people find out more about what you're up to kyle and of course the green mortgage team 
Yeah, we've we've got a, a really good website and um, with lots of downloadable content on it. So if you're a first-time home buyer, we've got a first-time home buyer guide you can download. A rent versus own calculator. If you don't believe me and you still think you should be renting, then download the spreadsheet and and find out for yourself. Investor guides, cash flow analysis spreadsheets, all that kind of stuff. So we've got a lot of cool downloadable tools on our website, and that's www.greenmortgageteam.ca. Fantastic. Well, hey, thanks again for taking the time today, Kyle. Yep. No worries, guys. It was fun. Yeah. Always good to chat. Thanks so much. So there you have it, folks. Our discussion with Kyle Green from the Green Mortgage Team. Love that conversation with Kyle. Concise, really well-spoken guy. Unpacks all of his ideas in a way that you can understand whether you're in the market all the time and on top of the market, or you're you're fairly green in the market. Yeah, I mean, he, no pun. He, there's 15 years of experience there, but yes. um, I I, th- I do think you know there's a couple of people in the mortgage world uh, that have really concise and useful ways of explaining things. Kyle's definitely one of them. The other one's Dustin Woodhouse, I would say. Yeah, uh, love Dustin guest, Woodhouse as favorite. well. But uh, no, that was a great conversation. Tons to think about there, and uh, hopefully everybody enjoyed. Yeah, Matt, what else do we have before we cut for the day? What else do we have? We have the Vancouver Real Estate Podcast.com website. This is our website where all things real estate related live. Head over to Vancouver Real Estate Podcast.com. Sign up to things like the Live Wire. This is where we have some VIP pre sale opportunities in right. the commercial world and in the residential world. We also got Deal of the Month. We have information coming out on different podcasts. There's no reason why you don't want to be on the live wire. We also have private client services. And Matt, if you are not using PCS, you are standing still while the rest of us power walk by. You get sold prices, days on market. You basically get realtor-level information for free at your fingertips. It's available at VancouverRealEstatePodcast.com. Make sure you sign up. You will not be disappointed. I also want to just mention... Kyle talked about industrial space as one of his top investments. And who better than Corey Wright to uh, have an industrial opportunity for for the listeners. But of course, he's the host of Vancouver Commercial Real Estate Podcast. He's also doing a pre-sale project in Langford outside of Victoria. The lowest lowest vacancy rates in North America by some estimates. And if you sign up to the live wire, you can get access to that project before anyone else. For sure. If you want to talk about that or anything else real estate related, give me a shout at 778-847-2854 or matt at vancouverrealestatepodcast.com. Or you can try me at 778-866-4574 or adam at vancouverrealestatepodcast.com. We also got that secret line info at vancouverrealestatepodcast.com. Enjoy your week, guys. Thanks for sticking around and uh, we'll be back next week. Take care. Two thousand faces for Hey everyone, pardon the interruption. We just want to take a quick minute to thank the following sponsors who make this show possible. We want to take a minute to tell you about Holy House. 
a nonprofit organization that provides community building programs and tenant support services to low-income seniors, veterans, families, and vulnerable residents in the downtown east side and across the lower mainland. Melissa from our team has been volunteering at Holy House. Melissa, what's been your experience? Honestly, it's been so fulfilling just to spend a few hours a week in the community and watch how the staff really transforms these vulnerable communities from the inside out, starting with just small things, right? Playing games, drinking coffee, having some simple conversations that you wouldn't necessarily think are super fulfilling. And you come out just feeling like you've really made an impact and connected with the community. And you've been to multiple buildings, but you're playing games, drinking coffee. Yeah. You know, serving food sometimes. And you made some friends along the way. And I've made some friends along the way. It's really helped me be more present, actually, in those moments of just, you know, realizing how simple life can be to make an impact, right? Fantastic. And if you want to learn more, you can definitely check out Jenny Conkin, co-founder of Holy House, who is a past guest fan favorite on the show, or head over to holyhouse.ca where you can donate or volunteer. And they're looking for both donations and they definitely like volunteers. That's holyhouse.ca. Vancouver needs your help. Be part of the solution. We are also sponsored by Oakland Realty. This is our real estate brokerage, best brokerage in the city, hands down. If you are in the industry, a new agent, an aspiring agent, somebody just looking to make a change, new culture, new energy, new resources, head over to oakland.com slash join, type in VRP 2020. That's oakland.com slash join, type in VRP 2020. Not only do you get to meet Michael Morgan and the gang, the big wigs over at Oakland, you get a huge incentive for first going to oakland.com slash join, typing in VRP 2020. 